Salam guys, I'm Mohsin. Welcome to this episode of Millionaire Muslim. Before we get into this episode, we just wanted to spend a few seconds telling you about Islamic Finance Guru or IFG for short. Mohsin and I co-founded IFG in 2015 because we couldn't find content about personal finance and Islamic finance for Muslims like you and I. Nowadays, alhamdulillah, we reach an audience of hundreds of thousands and our goal is to keep providing great content to help you guys. So if you're looking for halal investments and Islamic mortgages or startup funding, check us out at islamicfinanceguru.com. And if you want to get in touch with us directly, you can get me on mohsin at islamicfinanceguru.com and you can get Ibrahim on ibrahim at islamicfinanceguru.com. Enjoy the episode. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Millionaire Muslim Podcast. This is Ibrahim Khan and with me I have Mohsin Patel. Mohsin, how are we? Assalamu alaikum everyone. We are very well. We're recording this on the 27th of March and the news just in is that Boris Johnson and the health secretary both have coronavirus. So God knows what's going to happen now. Fantastic stuff. Well, I don't think I have coronavirus, but one can never tell until it's too no, late. Indeed. On coronavirus, though, this is uh, the topic for today. We're looking at it from a business perspective. As listeners of ours from antiquity will know, uh, we have a business agony aunt series that we run, and every so often we'll do podcasts on it. Today is one such episode, and in this episode, we're going to talk about what kind of businesses have actually really done well out of coronavirus, what businesses have not done well out of coronavirus, and you know what other kind of things that you know the thriving businesses can do to continue thriving, and also we'll think about a case study of what is a potentially tanking business. Um, the one we're going to look at is a Hajj and Umrah travel company, and what are the things that they could do strategies that they can deploy to potentially come out of this in a not too bad a shape. So Mohsin, why don't we kick off? Yeah, let's. So I mean, I'm really looking forward to this. It'll be really interesting to see what comes out of our discussion. I mean, really high level, my thoughts on this, because I've been thinking about this, obviously, you know, as people who run a business and generally always looking at the business world and the business news and stuff, thinking about this whole space and what the business world is going to look like post coronavirus or post the you know coronavirus environment and i've been thinking that if you just take away the emotional side of it for a minute because i know that you know right now there's a bunch of people individuals you know these are fathers and mothers who are struggling with their businesses going through the floor and not much support potentially from the government although they have announced some things Taking the emotion of all of that out of it, and I have you know every single sympathy with people in that situation, but really high level, my view is that like any crisis, so you know the two thousand eight crisis had the same impact, um, similar with the whole you know dot com bubble and then bust. What these situations do is they're a catalyst for failure. I think so. There'll be a bunch of businesses that end up failing. And the reason for that is because whether we like to kind of hear it or not, those businesses were not able to adapt to the changing environment. So it wasn't suitable for both to sustain the coronavirus environment, but also probably to succeed thereafter. So in a sense, the coronavirus situation acts almost like a bit of a purifier. And that might sound 
quite harsh. And to some level, I think it is because that's a very broad brush. But that's kind of what we're doing, because what we've seen are some businesses that are doing well out of this. So you've got, you know, anyone that's kind of health related is doing really well. Supermarkets have always done fantastically well. But also even deeper than that, you've got people whose business centers around the home doing quite well too. So think about gaming companies. I think I read that like the Nintendo Switch had, you know, I think it's like run out everywhere. I think everyone's bought up all the Nintendo Switches, for example. So businesses like that are absolutely thriving. Any others that you can think of? Yeah, I was going to buy a lawnmower because uh, as avid watchers of our YouTube channel, my mom, my sister, my brother uh, will know (laughs) I've got quite a, a large amount of grass on my lawn, which needs mowing. But B&Q apparently are not doing deliveries anymore and Amazon really? aren't doing deliveries either. So in a tragic... Are they not? Yeah, in a tragic twist, um, my lawn is now not non-essential apparently. Lawnmowers are now non-essential <laughs> items. So It's interesting because I managed to get hold of a gardener who was previously ignoring my calls. And she rocked up yesterday. She even took a taxi to get here. Really? Yeah, having previously been someone who would only come if I like picked her up. And yeah, she spent like the whole day here and I paid her, you know, a very reasonable sum. And uh yeah, everything got done. So I'm quite I'm quite happy. But it's obviously because she's really struggling for work. Interesting. Maybe I should look into that and get a gardener. Yeah. I think the point stands. I mean, there's lots of interesting trends here as well. So your hospital point is a really good one. Obviously, private sector, you know, there's deals being done left, right and center with the NHS trying to rope in additional supplies from private healthcare providers. So mm-hmm. they've made an absolute killing on this. But also long term, there's uh, healthcare is a very uh, bullish market because if we've paused uh, non-essential stuff in the healthcare sector, that was already overstretched. When the floodgates are opened again in three to six months time, it's going to be just absolute pandemonium. And people and the NHS is not going to be able to cope. So people who private companies who sell to the NHS will do really well out of it. But also NHS doctors will do well out of it because they can go to the private sector themselves. And, you know, if you need a knee replacement and you're not going to get one for nine months, you might well go to a doctor privately and say, you know, I'll pay a bit of money and get that sorted. So I think insurers will also do well out of this as well as as more pressure is put on on the NHS. Also, I think remote working obviously is a big one. So the Zoom uh, stock price has gone through the roof. And for those of you who don't know, Zoom is this uh, teleconferencing website and app that you can use to talk to people remotely. And I think that's going to continue. Uh, EdTech, online education, I think is a really big one that has done really well out of this. Anything that's you know to do with remote working, I think has done pretty well out of this. Mm. Also, you know, wills and, you know, the death industry will do well out of this because whenever there's a scare and, you know, people are thinking more about death and there are more deaths, generally speaking, they will do well out of it. And of course, you know, with our Islamic wills, we've seen a big uptick on that front as well do you like my what i find really interesting about this whole situation is that it's basically going to force and has forced businesses into the 21st century so i know like there's a load of companies even you know big ones who were pretty against things like remote working and things like that now they've all been forced from like an infrastructure level and from a cultural 
company cultural level to adopt remote working. And what I think is going to happen is that employees will see this more and more. I mean, it was already going this way, but I think this pandemic is going to accelerate it, whereby employees demand this now of their employers. There's going to be more demands for remote working. And if you're not providing good remote working facilities or you're not providing remote working at all, then you're basically going to be an outlier in the job market and you will not be able to attract good talent. So as a result, all employers are going to have to shift to remote working at some level, I believe, because of this, Um, certainly where possible, because there were a bunch of companies that remote working was possible for them but they just didn't want to make the switch and they kept using an excuse of oh no it won't work it won't work this has forced a behavior and i think it's basically going to force the many 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 industries to change all that makes sense so so far we've talked about the kind of themes of you know winners and losers what kind of businesses are thriving um what kind of businesses are tanking or sin There's quite a lot of businesses that are struggling big time. A lot of the small one-man or one-woman band type operations are really struggling. Anything that relates to events, for example, because all events are off, um, all those businesses are really, really struggling. You think about, for example, football, like all the premiership games are off. Um, that's fine when you think about you know big premiership football clubs or even clubs slightly lower down the leagues but what about your stall operator outside Old Trafford on a Saturday afternoon yeah those kinds of people like what are they doing how are they replacing their income how are they paying their bills struggling aren't they? and although there has been some announcements from the government level there are gaps there for example it doesn't cover uh, people who have a limited company of their own um, who pay themselves through PAYE because you can't follow yourself. Um, if you're newly self-employed, you don't get anything. So if you don't have a tax return from last year, you're basically lumbered. So there's a bunch of people that are affected. Um, things like the retail market, obviously all those shops are shut. So anyone that has a clothes shop or anything like that, they're really struggling. There's just so many industries that are affected. It's unbelievable. No, I agree. I agree completely. And so really the second section of this podcast, we wanted to talk about practically what are the kind of strategies that the two camps can use. Firstly, thriving businesses, what can they do to really capitalize on their advantage? And then secondly, we'll talk of a case study uh, of a business that's struggling. So, Mm. you know, thinking about these thriving businesses, so their supply, their demand is going through the roof. They've suddenly started making really serious revenue. What can they do to really capitalize on that and just make sure that this is not just a short term spike, but because coronavirus isn't going to happen every year, but turn it into a long term thing? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think that, I mean, it'd be good to get your thoughts on this. I think my immediate thoughts are that in a way you have to accept that although your revenues might be going through the roof this month and maybe next month, what you don't want is exactly what you say. You don't want it to be a spike and then back to your normal thing. So in a sense, the thing that you have to do is you have to make your customers and your users or whatever they are understand who you are, what your business is. And it might be that the way to do that is actually to sacrifice the short-term gain that you could make. So as an example, we've heard of loads of businesses that have started making their offering completely free of charge. Uh, Let's talk about the homeschooling industry for a second, because every household, including mine, that has children whose parents are not essential workers, 
are basically homeschooling right now because the schools are shut. And we have benefited personally from online resources who are normally subscription-based. So I'm thinking about companies like Twinkle. Um, when I say this, they've made their all their resources entirely free. Now, what they could have done is they could have kept their paywall up and they would have seen short-term revenues increase, but they would have probably seen that after one or two months, people will cancel their subscription. Instead, I think they've done the right thing, which is what I think they've done is tapped into the longer term mindset, which is that this whole thing is probably going to increase the numbers of people that homeschool full stop over the next year, two years, five years, 10 years and onwards. And if you are a parent who has used Twinkle because it was free during the pandemic, what's the first resource that you're going to remember when you decide to take your kids, uh, you know, homeschooled full time? of course, you're going to remember Twinkle. And the likelihood is that you'll probably subscribe to them because you'll remember them from this pandemic. And that's just an example. And really, it's that kind of mentality that I think businesses need to adopt. Of course, there's nothing wrong with making you know money during the pandemic. If you've got something that people want during this time, that's absolutely fine. But from a long-term sustainability perspective, you want to be thinking about what is this customer base and what do they actually want in the future? And what is the trend that's going to arise from this pandemic? And how can I capture these guys into you know, long-term customers and really increase what we call a lifetime value? Since its launch, tens of thousands of Muslims have given zakat through NZF. We're the only platform with a national reach enabling you to give zakat to those who need it here. Across the country, Muslims are in need. Your zakat has the potential to change their lives. Just go to www.nzf.org.uk to calculate your zakat, choose how it's used, and keep updated about the impact it's having on the lives of Muslims where you live. NZF. Give zakat here. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, so a lifetime value is this concept of how much are you going to profit from that customer over their lifetime um, before they leave. So for example, the first time someone transacts with Amazon, they might make a little bit of money. But if Amazon can keep you sticking with them, then you're, they're going to make more and more profits every single transaction, every month you spend with them. And I mean, Amazon is a fantastic example of, you know, properly being lifetime value because people will stick with Amazon for life. Mm. So, yeah, I completely agree with you on that. And I think the other thing they can do, these businesses, is capture leads and emails and data in this period because that will then enable them to target people even after coronavirus is finished in a way that they can then convert on. Let's say they've got 100 people using Twinkle for free. I'm sure it's many more than that. But let's say they've got 100 people using it for free. As long as they've got a Twinkle account and they've got their emails and they know all the data around what they've been watching and all that stuff, then they can make a really bespoke offering for people like that that they wouldn't be otherwise able to do. So that's one thing I think will be quite useful. Yeah. The other thing I think really high level is because coronavirus has meant people are at home, it means that there's like free storage or there's like free RAM space in people's minds that would otherwise be taken up by work or like commuting or whatever. They have time and they also are very much plugged into coronavirus because that's what everyone is talking about. So businesses that are in the media sector or even just any business if they can understand that this is the topic and the movement of the moment and they can tap in that if they can become of the moment 
then that suddenly gives them free marketing. Like if you can use coronavirus to come up with something creative that strikes a chord with people and that goes viral, then that will, because coronavirus is viral itself and because people have free time right now, there's much more potential to be viral. There's much more virality in the air. So, you know, that's... In more ways than one. Yeah, exactly. That's a really, really powerful way of just getting your brand out there. And I think that there is real potential there, even for like a random business that is nothing to do, you know, with there's nothing sexy about that business. If they're clever about it, they can get eyeballs onto their business that would not otherwise be on them. I completely agree with that. There are definitely interesting things that can be done by non uh, seemingly non-related businesses. They might need a bit of marketing spend, but it's probably worth it. Uh, why don't we dive into our case study then? So what we're going to think about is a case study of a classic you know, high street Hajj and Umrah operator. And what we're thinking about is what's their, what's their situation at the moment? How can they come out of this? How can they respond? And what does their future really look like? And really, we're just going to brainstorm around that whole idea. So why don't you kick off, Ibrahim? Yeah, let's. So Hajjanuma Travel, let's take it from first principles. So this is a company that sells to Muslims a package of flights and hotel tickets and buses and general like logistics in the haram and it hopes that for the cost of all of that stuff the package that it can sell will have a margin on it so let's say all the costs are 3000 and it sells the package for 5000 it keeps a margin of 2000 so that's how they make how they make money they sell tourism like tourism related stuff specifically Hajj and Umrah, to Muslims to make money. So in terms of like, you know, the, the reason why they've been affected, of course, is because it looks like Hajj is going to be severely damped down, probably cancelled. Umrah is already cancelled. And, you know, they're, these guys, if no one is traveling, they're not making any money. And if they've not got insurance, then they're probably making losses as well. So that's the situation. How are they going to deal with that? Number one, possibly by diversifying into other areas and selling other stuff that they can actually sell right now. Or number two, they can look to sell in the future what they're currently selling. So sell Hajj and Umrah tickets for the future now. Or they can somehow uh, try and sell bits of it now that they can maybe like, you know, break up aspects of the package into bits and sell the bits that are still, you know, functioning and viable. Like, for example, if they can sell, if they have a course as part of the Hajj and Umrah package, uh, they could break that off and sell that specifically on its own. But yeah, over to you, Mohsin. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so Hajj and Umrah operator is interesting. I think in the short term, they are fortunate in the sense that, you know, they're not like a classic uh, retailer in the sense that they don't have a big capital cost. You know, they're not physically, at least I don't think so, according to my knowledge, they're not physically buying up in advance a bunch of these things that they then need to sell off. That may be untrue slightly because I know some Hajj operators, the slightly bigger ones, that do actually buy rooms in advance and they have agreements in place. I'm not actually 100% sure of what I'm saying. It would be good to hear from people that are in the industry. But as I understand it, there isn't a huge capital base where, for example, they're making monthly repayments that are fixed and stuff like that. So as long as they can weather the storm from a personal perspective, i.e. they've got enough money to live on and stuff, uh, hopefully their business shouldn't just close down. 
thinking forward about opportunities, one thing they could do, touching on your point earlier and touching on, on one of the points that I made earlier about you know, a bit of marketing spend, it potentially is worth a bit of marketing spend now while people have got time to think and dream a little bit to get forward bookings, um, not just for Hajj and Umrah, but certainly for that, but also for other types of holidays, as you said, diversifying that revenue base. But then thinking really far forward, what this whole you know situation hopefully does for businesses like Hajj and Umrah operators is it focuses their minds to understanding that they need to move forward into the 21st century. And they hopefully understand a bit better now that change, when it comes, comes fast and can floor you if you're not ready for it. And what I mean by that is that there are a bunch of tech-enabled things that mean you can offer these sorts of things, but in a tech world. So I'm thinking, for example, virtual reality. I'm thinking, for example, tourist guides, uh, like audio guides that you can sell maybe for the Haramain or like other halal tourism destinations. You know, just a whole bunch of other things like that that just need a bit of outside the box thinking that aren't necessarily what people are doing right now. Because what I think is happening in a lot of these industries um, the kind of the successful high street shops really is that they suffer from being too in the moment and not thinking within a forward planning. Um, so hopefully one thing that this pandemic has done is really focused minds on this idea that change will come. And if you're not ready for it, then you better be prepared to fail. Yeah, no, all that sounds good. So I think what key th- themes there, one of them I want to pick on is the diversification aspect. So given that the Hajj and Umrah companies are set up in the travel sector to sell to Muslims to go and travel somewhere, I don't think it's that hard for them to start selling other packages, to start selling other halal tourism locations instead of just Hajj and Umrah. And that's obviously better for them because not everything is shut down by the foreign office right now. And different places will have different, you know, risks attached to them. So like if your entire business is focused on Hajj and Umrah and for some reason that particular year you can't do Hajj and Umrah, that's you really struggling. But if you are now a halal tourism company with focus on Hajj and Umrah, even if your Hajj and Umrah gets hit, then at least you've got something else to fall back on. That's definitely something that these companies should look at. The other thing, as I said, was, you know, break up your package offering. Obviously, you can't really sell airline tickets if you're not doing Umrah. But the courses aspect, I'm sure you could sell. I'm sure that there's like the package includes various different objects. So there could be books in there. There could be guides in there. There could be perfumes. Uh, All that stuff could be disaggregated off and sold. Um, You can really, really, wills, sometimes they offer Islamic wills. That is actually still really a value service and a valuable product that people who would have otherwise gone on that package would still very much want to pay for so you could offer that and then I think the other thing going back to the point about thinking about where we are right now if you come up with a creative advertising campaign about inspiring people about you know when all this calms down then you can go off to X location, or you can even go to Umrah, for example, with your family as a kind of relief mechanism, as a kind of like holiday away from the coronavirus 
situation. I think that would very much tap into the thinking of people right now because they're all mm. cooped up. And when you're cooped up, you want to get away from this and you can't get away from this right now. But if you are being sold a dream about what it could be like to get away from this in XYZ location, I think that, you know, this is perfect timing to sell travel, but it would be obviously not travel immediately, it would be travel in advance. So yeah, I think that there's always two ways of looking at something. And even in the travel sector, where it's hard right now, I think there could be potential opportunities. Yeah, I, I had a couple of further thoughts as well while, while you were talking, Ibrahim. And one of the things I was thinking about the whole marketing strategies, if I think if I were a Hajj operator right now, I would tap into probably this mentality that I and probably a lot of people am thinking, which is, you know, you look at the haram on TV and stuff and you just see it completely empty and it's kind of devastating, really. And I would really tap into that mentality and say, look, let's give the haram the warmth and the love that it deserves and really tap into that. And the other thought that I had was, I mean, Hajj hasn't been cancelled, but there is, I'm sure, a fear that it will be. And I think those sorts of operators should be planning for that now because whilst people are still on edge, there's still a chance to convert them into something else as a backup plan. So it could be, for example, I don't know, people are going to be in the mentality of they might have booked a month off, they want complete spirituality. You could offer some sort of online retreat type thing or like there's a whole thing you could do around that given that people have probably booked their time off, they were mentally and physically ready to go. There's definitely something that people will sign up to because people have carved that time out, right? So they're not just going to want to sit at home and twiddle their thumbs. So there's definitely a backup plan that the Hajj operators potentially need to be engaging right now, because what you don't want is it gets to May or June and Hajj gets cancelled well it wouldn't even be that late when is hajj this year like august or something uh i'm not actually sure to be honest so uh yeah so when i mean whenever it is i presume it's somewhere in the summer what you don't want is you know you're only getting one or two months notice and by that time people have already anticipated it and they've already told their bosses that they will be coming to work for that month and then you've missed a boat basically so yeah Summary is that there is always opportunity. There are things that you can do to forward plan. And the best businesses are the ones that are being agile at this moment in time and the ones that are actually sowing the seeds for the future. Allahu Akbar. Well, Jazakallah Khair Mohsin. Let's uh, call it a day there. Uh, if you have any ideas about the kind of topics we should be covering for the Business Agony Aunt series, but also any other topics we should be covering on the podcast, then do leave us a comment on iTunes or wherever Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to us, um, that would be great. And do share this with a friend as well, because you know if you're benefiting, then inshallah they can benefit as well. Um, until next time, assalamu alaikum. Salam. If you got this far, you must have enjoyed the podcast, which means you'll definitely love our other episodes and other content we produce as well, inshallah. Be sure to check out the website, islamicfinanceguru.com, as well as our YouTube channel and social media. Until next time, Assalamu Alaikum.